Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, I'm joined by one of the top podcast hosts on the planet, Jordan Harbinger of The Art of Charm. Now, in addition to being a great guy and a friend of mine, Jordan is an expert at personal and professional relationships. I'll ask him how his background led him from Wall Street to social interactions. We'll talk about how to uncover expertise you didn't even know you had. I'm going to ask him about a different way to think about networking and the risk of keeping score within your network. And finally, Jordan has the dubious distinction of having been kidnapped. Twice. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jordan Harbinger. Jordan, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. I like the I like the intro there. Kidnapped twice. People are now like, hmm, this might be more interesting than he sounded before. <laughs> exactly. So now I shared that little bit of business background, but what else beyond this being kidnapped should our listeners know about you? Right. Yeah, that's hardly a qualification, right? <laughs> um, you know, frankly, I've been doing this out of necessity for the last sort of decade. What I what got started was when I started working on Wall Street, I realized I don't have a lot of people skills, even though I kind of got quickly lucky, and that's what got me the job in the first place. And that was phenomenal. The only problem was I, then I didn't really know what to do with myself, so I really dedicated myself for the last decade and plus on creating connections, creating people skills, creating relationships, and that's been something that I've realized quickly no matter how talented you are or how hard you're able or willing to work, frankly, the the skills and the connections that you'll make are going to be such higher leverage. So that's been something I just cannot overstate. I think a lot of people think, well, you know, you work hard and you get you get there. That's kind of a 50s, maybe 60s mentality or even 80s, I don't know. Uh, but that whole sort of adage that it's not what you know, but who you know is so true. So turning that into an advantage instead of a lamentation is priority number one for, for guys like me and for millennials. I shouldn't say below me, but uh, younger than I am. And and now I think people of <clears throat> your generation, sir, are also <laughs> embracing the idea that uh, that the connections don't have to be this weird boys club that you maybe can't get into, but should be something where you say, great, relationships are there for me to leverage and, and use to my advantage and are actually fun to create. So let's do that. Yeah. Well, you know what? And, and I see this a lot with the organizations I work with where they may have somebody who on paper has all these phenomenal skills. And some of our listeners might be thinking, man, I've got all these great skills on paper, but it just, I don't seem to have that connection in the business world. I mean, where do you see that materialize with your clients and in your business? Sure. So where the relationship stuff crosses over, I think now it's funny because a lot of the clients that come to the Art of Charm are, are in their 40s and 50s, and they're starting to say, hey, you know, I've been a little bit stagnant, not necessarily just in my personal life. Maybe there's some personal stuff going on there, but mostly like, 
why are these other people getting passed up or why are these other people passing me up for promotions? Why am I not getting the good assignments? I've, I've got the seniority and, you know, maybe during their career earlier, they were kind of blaming lack of seniority for the, the lack of advancement. But now that they're at that level, they're kind of going, wait a minute, there's some sort of missing factor here that I'm not getting. And that might be their wake up call. And for millennials and, and people my age and younger, they're going, wait a minute, I'm not just going to sit here for 20 years with my fingers crossed, hoping that this works out for me. That's not how I roll. And that's not how that generation and my generation rolls at all. So right now, if you're just starting a job and you're listening to this, or you've been in a job for a while, you can't really rely on the kind of the, the kind of the universe to come together and give you what you need, right? You need to go and get it. And and part of the reason that that happens, especially for younger people, is there's no way to set yourself apart. If you're new to the game, you are just like everyone else, essentially kind of a workplace commodity. And that's not good because that means that you don't have anything that's special about you. And nobody likes to think that, especially millennials, right? Sure. If we can set ourselves apart, then we are at a distinct advantage. And the only way to really do that when you don't have the experience of the seniority is through relationships. Yeah, and, and a lot of times I think that relationship becomes the unspoken X factor. When I speak to CEOs and they say, well, you know, it's just I need somebody who when they come in here, people actually want to speak with them. When, when we're at an event, this is the kind of, this is the person people want to go up to. And I don't mean the back slap in. Um, gregarious person, but someone who people feel they can gen- genuinely connect with. Now, l- let me let me ask you this: I, Can you tell us a little bit about? You've got this thing you talk about your non traditional secrets of killer social networking. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So essentially, and we've put this all into a product recently, which is really exciting for me. I, I love talking about networking. It's something we've talked about on the show a, a million times, and I love the idea that networking is starting to become more accessible and more acceptable. Because for me, I don't know about you, Ian, but for me, the word networking makes me cringe a little bit because what I'm thinking of is what most people think of, and which is like hand out stacks of business cards and walk up to rooms full of people minding their own business and go, hey, anytime you need a financial manager, give me a call. And then they <laughs> hand you this like crappy Vistaprint card, no offense to Vistaprint. That, like, they they're got, a fine you, company, but I know where you're going. Company. Just don't use them. Um, <laughs> no, they're, they're, they give you some card, they shove it in your face. And then like, if you are polite enough slash dumb enough to give them your card, the first thing you get is like a, you've been subscribed to the financial jerk face newsletter, you know? And you're like, I didn't subscribe to your newsletter, dude. I gave you a business card because I wanted you to go away, right? Or they send you an email and you reply and they opt you in. And it's just like, you don't want to be one of those guys who basically forces themselves onto other people to kind of bug them or browbeat them into giving you their business. It's it's terrible. It's so, it's so annoying. So normal, nice people are afraid to network because it's got such a bad reputation. And... This now we have an opportunity with the new sort of the new way to look at network and we call it social capital because otherwise you have to use that word that everyone hates, which is a way to just give generously and authentically and create relationships that way. So.
so the way that it's done now is completely different. And, and for example, I know your follow-up question should be, well, what are those ways that it's done now, right? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you I'm, what, you're reading my mind. See, I'm, this is a guy who's interviewed tons of people, so I don't even have to ask the questions. Jordan, we just like wind you up. This is awesome. So go ahead. <laughs> a sandwich, Ian. I'll be done in 20 minutes. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> um, the, the, some of the ways that that's done now is – the authentic and the giving generously is really as follows. So for, and I'll use you as an example and we can talk about this cause you can talk about it from personal experience. Um, if you need something like you're launching a podcast, I know all of the right people that you need to talk to. I've got the best engineers, the best producers. I know how the sequence should go. I've got access to great guests that are in your niche. I, I know you personally, so I can recommend you versus just like random strangers reaching out. And it's great because I can do all those things to help you. And a lot of folks are are kind of like, well, I don't have any way to help others. I don't know everybody in this certain niche. What you do know and what you always have is an existing network of people that you can use to introduce to other people. So for example, one of the exercises I give in the course which is it's kind of a tricky one because it's it's impossible to complete anyway, is make a list of everyone you know. And the reason for that is because we want you to start looking at relationships in a totally different way. And once you realize, oh, this is this is my landscaper and here's this guy that just moved in down the street and I just met him while I was walking the dog, you go, well, wait a minute. I might not be able to help the guy who just moved in because he's a computer scientist and I've already hired my landscaper, so what could I possibly do for either one of them? Now, once you start thinking, how can I plug people in my network into each other? You think, well, wait a minute. Maybe the guy who just moved in needs a landscaper that's going to show up on time and that's already in the neighborhood once a week. Well, my guy can do that. So you can make that intro. Now your neighbor thinks, wow, this guy's looking out for me and your landscaper thinks, this guy's awesome. He's referring business over to me. You know, once you start thinking about how you can help other people and you stop thinking about what they can do for you and you stop thinking about how can you help them directly, like you don't have to help your neighbor move in, but you can recommend somebody who's going to be a good dog walker while they're moving in or a good, you know, whatever, somebody who can help them unpack. You know, once you start doing that and you stop keeping score, it just gets so much easier. And I don't think people enough, I don't think enough people think about networking in that way yet because we're not taught to do that. We're taught to look for what we need for ourselves and networking is the idea that you're selling yourself. And it's just wrong. Yeah, you know what? I, I you you make some uh, you make some brilliant points. I want to recap some of these so our listeners get them. And one is this notion that stop keeping score. I think too often people at network events, I, I I often say to people, look, it's a network. It's not called a node. So the the notion of a node would be I walk up to someone and it's almost like a binary. Are you interested in what I do or not? And that could be socially or in business. If instead I connect with that person genuinely, and I think, how many people are they connected to, and how many people are I am I connected to? And it may be that someone 20 levels down in my connection is a perfect fit for someone five levels away from them, and those two people connect, and now they're all appreciative that we connected them. That's the definition of a network. You know, our mutual friend Derek Coburn, his book, Networking Is Not Working, talks about this, I think, really well. And it's that notion of most people at a networking event, their version of networking is in, in social, uh, he describes this in social media as the equivalent of someone standing up on a table and saying, hey, I'm awesome. Come check me out. And yeah. nobody wants any part of that. No, it's awkward. And it's not only is it awkward, it's kind of like 
it makes you cringe and, and for a reason, right? Um, the, the whole idea behind this is now to, to actually give value to other people. And this sounds so nebulous and vague, so I, I hate it. I'm trying to think of a better way to explain it right here off the cuff, but any way that you can help other people becomes something that you should prioritize. And like Derek says in his book, once you start keeping score, you've already kind of lost, right? Exactly. And it doesn't use those exact words, but Derek's one of those guys where you, we, you and I can call him and be like, hey, what's up with this? And he'll be like, no, forget that one. I've got another guy who does this way better. Do you want me to introduce you? And you say yes, and then suddenly there's this thing in your inbox that's like saved you five hours of time and $10,000 of a hassle. Absolutely. And the thing is that you know it's, it's that whole notion of giving without the expectation of receiving. I think when you and I, when you and I connected – you know, we spent weeks just trying to figure out how to help each other. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like, you know, when when you and I met, I wasn't even launching a podcast. It was just like, hey, this is a great guy, and how can I help, and vice versa. And there's other people in our network, guys like Michael Port, who just have that genuine willingness to help other people, and it works great. Now, the funny part is the people who don't have that DNA yet, it's kind of it's kind of funny because like in in my neighborhood I live in this cul-de-sac there are five houses, and so I ran across a guy who struck me as man this is a great guy to reseal your driveway. <laughs> so I so I went to the other people in the cul-de-sac and said hey I got this guy it seems like it's a fair deal he's he's done other work for us in the past great guy so here's what the price is and the neighbor immediately next to me, oh, that's great. Next one, oh, that's great. The person I don't know quite as well said, well, what do you get out of this? <laughs> and I just kind of laughed. I said, yeah. um, uh, nothing. I'm just thinking if the other four houses have their driveway sealed and you don't, you're going to kind of regret it and it's going to look like yours isn't taken care of. And then you're going to have to pay someone a lot more because he's doing all of ours in one day. So we're getting some economy of scale. Um no, I'm not getting a kickback. No, I'm not getting a break. I'm just trying to help everybody out. And it occurred to me, there wasn't anything wrong with him. It's just he didn't know that I'm wired in such a way I'm just trying to help people. Right, but but I'll tell you, there there's a hidden sort of cost to that because, for example, uh, if you say, hey, I need an audio engineer for my show, and I say, I know just the guy, and you say, well, what what do you get out of it? It's a weird sort of miss. What that signals is you don't trust me for this. Oh, and yeah. It makes me feel really weird because I'm not getting a kickback from any introduction that I do make. And the fact that you would think that kind of makes me think, well, wait a minute. So you're never going to want to do anything to sort of help me in return unless you get something from it because you're wired weird. And that's a, that's something I wasn't really planning on getting into in this episode, but there are certain red flags when it comes to networking, and that's one of them, where the other person is already keeping score before you've done anything, and they're doing it sort of openly. Because keeping score is toxic, and I guess there are multiple ways to do it. Usually, though, it's a covert contract, right? Where, like, let's say, let's use you and I, let's just keep using you and I as an example. Like, remember, you took me to dinner at Michael Port's event, and I was like, this guy is so friggin' funny. And we hung out a lot, and like, you know, I I would have what if I bought you a meal after that? Then I'm like, great, we're even, right? And then you're like, yeah, hey, I need an audio engineer, and I'm like, cool, and I give you an engineer, and then maybe we don't talk for a few weeks, and I'm like, friggin' Ian, 
I introduced him to an engineer and <laughs> now I'm just sitting here and he's not doing it. He didn't hook me up with anything, you know, and I start. To, so all he did was buy me a veal chop. Right. All he does is buy me a veal chop and I bought him like a Chipotle bowl. So I guess, he, you know, I owe him something. No, it's it, it's weird because people do this all the time and, and it happens in personal relationships, too. And people don't really think about it. Like uh, there's there's a lot of guys who write in and they're like, there's this girl that I love and I've driven her to the airport like 87 times. When is she going to realize I'm the one? And that would be weird when you get an email or when your friend tells you something like that, you're like, wow, you're way out of line. You can't expect somebody to fall in love with you because you gave them airport rides. But people do it in business all the time. They'll make an introduction or they'll help you launch your show or they'll help you create a website or they'll they'll mail out for your product or whatever it is if you're in the affiliate space. And then if they don't get something in return or if they ask you to do something and you go, yeah, that's not really a good fit for my brand, they get really angry. And it, for for guys that are wired like you and I, we're, we're constantly trying to help other people. That anger comes out of nowhere. It comes out of absolutely nowhere. And it, it's very toxic for the person who does that because what it is, is, you know, if, if something like that happens with you or, or I, with somebody else, word gets around that you're kind of like the guy who's always asking for stuff or that you're the guy who, if, if you help me, it comes with strings attached. And that's really, really bad because I don't want to have to owe somebody something in a way that, that might be bad for my own business. Like if you mail out for me, I shouldn't use you as an example for this one. If somebody mails out for me and they're selling my product and then suddenly they're like, hey, can you mail this snake oil thing I just came out with? I'm like, wow, I didn't realize you were that kind of guy. This isn't really good for my brand, but I like your book. I'd, I'd help happily do that. And then they get angry about it. You Now you're stuck in this weird contract that you didn't know you were in. I didn't know I was in agreement to quid pro quo everything. So what that means is you're not, you're not, wired the same way as me. Anytime I help you, it's going to come with strings. Anytime you help me, it's going to come with strings. I don't want those kind of relationships because now I'm constantly trying to wipe the debt and that's awkward. Exactly. You know what? There's a, there's a sales recruiter who I refer a lot of clients to. And when I, when I first, when I first met her, I just had the sense that they were really special, did something extraordinary. And and I said to her, look, I know that, that in your industry, it's customary for people to share the fee. I said, I never want to have a potential conflict of interest where my client thinks that I refer them to you because I get something out of it. So all right. I ask is that you take amazing care of my clients. And it's funny because oftentimes I'll refer her to somebody and they say, oh, she must refer you a lot of business. I say, no, not really. And they look at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, one of her big clients does a lot of sales training. And I think even though she's a big fan of what we do, it's not necessarily, you know, it's tough for her to refer somebody else when these people give her so much business directly. So, you know, she attends my program. She's very supportive. She sponsored books and things like that. But I don't expect anything other than she's going to take great care of my clients and that's it. And people yeah. think I'm crazy, but it's like, look, I don't refer her because I'm going to get something from it. I refer her because my clients are going to be wildly successful. You know, that's, that's, that's interesting. And I, I find you're absolutely right. I actually do this in a subconscious way that I didn't even think about until just now. In a lot of times, if somebody has a fee for something uh, and I want to make that introduction, I'll say, you know what? Don't pay me. Just, I'll, you know, next time we're at a conference or something like that, 
take me out, let's go out for a steak. Because if the other person hears that you got a steak dinner for the referral, they're not like, that's right, you were in it for that steak the whole time. They know you can buy your own steak. It's 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 not a bounty at that point. Right, right, it's not a bounty. But if somebody hears you got a $200 check, it's not that much money. In fact, the steak dinner at a nice place might even cost more than that. But then they're like, did he do that just to get a check? Uh, probably not. But, oh, did he though? You know, you don't want any ambiguity on that at all. It's not worth it. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. In, in, in both your immersion program, in, in thinking just initially about the immersion program, where you guys are booked months out in advance, you do these every week, and obviously, if you weren't delivering amazing results, you wouldn't have that sort of, that sort of backlog for people signing up for that program. And now you've got this social capital development program that you're doing online. What's the ideal student? What are people facing where they might be a good candidate for one or both of those programs? Sure. So what we do for the, for our, our live programs, people come in from all over the world and they take our live program when they're looking to really dig in kind of deeper than they probably thought they would ever need to when it comes to creating rapport with people, creating connections with other people for both personal and business. Uh, and the reason I say deeper than they ever thought they would need to is because the first day we're videotaping your interactions and we're breaking down body language, eye contact, vocal tonality. And a lot of people who are sort of new to the networking stuff are kind of like, wait a minute, I don't need work on that. And, th and that's fine. I'm not here to like convince everybody that they do. I just think a lot of folks, when they get down to it, they go, oh, wait a minute, these little nuances, these little ways of building charisma, these are really the key now. And that's sort of going from like 90th percentile to 95th percentile maybe, or people who are remedial will come in well and they'll, they'll work on a lot of that. So it's really tailored. We cap them at seven guys. It's residential. So people fly in from like Europe and stay with us for a week. And we really, it's immersive for that reason. I mean, you're not kidding. It's very immersive. You're hanging out with the same seven guys all week and the coaches are really, we're really drilling you. The social capital program is, is sort of an online version, not of the week long program, but mostly just business and personal relationship development where we teach things like here's how to reach out to influencers. Here's how you create rapport with people. Here's how you give value to people in your network, even if you don't know anyone. Here's how you maintain networking relationships. Here's how you get people to become, like you'd said before, when you become a node, here's how you become a node and stay a node and build your value as a node. And that's online, which is easier and more accessible for a lot of people. Because I know people right now who've maybe never heard of The Art of Charm, they're like, they're not looking at flights to LA as a result of this podcast. But I would say you know, if they go to theartofcharm.com, they click on products, the social capital product is literally the only product we offer because we like to focus on getting people to become nodes in those relationships. I think it's, it, it, we haven't maybe done the, the best job of going over it comprehensively because of the time that we have here for this, but it's, it's literally the most important thing I've done in my whole life for both my personal and business life is figured out the relationship creation and value creation thing, like hands down with a bullet. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you to learn more about the art of charm, to learn more about this social capital development uh, product that you've got out? Sure. I'm, honestly, you know what? Rather than selling something, 
on your show. Everyone listening to this is listening to a podcast. Go to wherever you found this podcast, uh, unless it's like Ian's website, and then search for The Art of Charm in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever, or just go to theartofcharm.com and subscribe to The Art of Charm. I mean, we've got like 450 hours of audio there. So rather than like, go buy this thing that I made, you know, listen to the free stuff, check it out. If you like what we have to say, then yeah, we'll happily help you dig deeper. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and I, I, I will tell you that... Um you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what you put out, Jordan, and uh, you know I've had so many great connections just from when I was on your program, and it's just it's a great community there, and I'd certainly encourage people to uh, to be a part of it. Well, thank you very much, man. This has been fun. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Our guest again was Jordan Harbinger, and all the details will be in the show notes. Thanks again, Jordan. Thank you. Hey, that was great. We got a lot of great information from Jordan. Let me give you a 30-second snapshot of the biggest takeaways for me. I thought it was cool that Jordan shared he didn't have social skills when he worked on Wall Street, and he realized working hard is not enough if you can't connect socially. When it comes to networking, do not keep score. It's not about a quid pro quo. And finally, he shared that idea of tapping into your own expertise, even when you didn't know you had expertise. Now, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. We rely on you to help us keep our finger on the pulse. If there's a guest you think we should have on the show, if there's a topic you'd like for me to cover, just send me a note personally at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share some love with Jordan on Twitter. We'll, of course, have his Twitter handle in the show notes for you. And you'll find plenty of content on Twitter that never makes it to the show, like some articles, insights, maybe even a rant or two that I might have about an airline or hotel. My Twitter handle, of course, is GrowMyRevenue. If you want to further develop your skills or those of your team, check out the online learning center and bonus episodes you can't find anywhere but GrowMyRevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at Grow My Revenue.